Well, my name is Steve Lamb, and uh, before we go any further, I, I just uh, want to pray over the service, and uh, which I know I've already done, but uh, then we'll jump right into it. This will be, uh, Father, help in the name of Jesus via your Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> so there we go. That didn't take too long. That's why I had time for two of those. Uh, I count it a great honor to speak at one of the strongest churches in the area, you know, because we, because we're not in competition, you know, you you don't know who's, but it's a strong church, you know, and there's a reason I drive and pass, um, you know, so many churches just on my uh, commute to church uh, that I can't count on my hands and toes, you know, Um, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Uh, Our pastor is, is solid. And in the three years that I've been coming. I really appreciate him, and, uh, and I see why God has called me here, because I've learned much. Greg, the title to my message is, The Good Samaritan Might Today Prophesy, It Doesn't Get Easier, You Just Lift More. I see such a theme in the last seven or eight messages that have been preached from this pulpit, I remember last week, Brandon said some things, and seeing his fan club here last week reminded me of when I was 25 years of age, and my parents were going to come to service, and I asked my dad, I said, would it embarrass you if I, you know, called you out and said, you know, my parents are here tonight, and he just frankly said, well, son, it depends on how you preach. (laughs) So... So humor is a little different. So if, uh, if somebody is hysterically laughing to your left or to the right, there's a belly laugh, and it, it's, they probably had a dad a lot like mine. So just understand that. Greg LeMond, three-time Tour de France champion, said, it doesn't get easier, you just go faster. Our interpretation is it doesn't get easier You just increase your capacity for your assignment. God's not messing with you. He's maturing you. Turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 29. We're going to read the story of the Good Samaritan. And while you're going there, I want to touch on 1 Corinthians 16 and 9. It says, a great... An effective door is before me, but there are many adversaries. And oh, how do we know that there are many adversaries? 10 and 29 of Luke. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Verse 31, Now by chance a certain priest came down that same road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. It's a little more convenient. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. 
So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal. You know, that would be similar to opening up the door of your Chevy and putting him bloodied in your passenger seat. Brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Whenever we come across someone in need, there are three options. You come across somebody, you can exploit them as the thieves did. You could avoid them as a certain priest did and as a Levite did, or you can love them. What does it mean when you love somebody? When you love somebody and are the good Samaritan to them, you offer to be what you think they need you to be at that time. Sometimes the smallest gestures open the widest doors of opportunity. The young li- uh, Young's literal translation, which is a very actual, accurate translation, talks about, it says he lifted him up. And the message translation also reads, lifted him up. And that's why I said, it doesn't get easier, easier. you just lift more. And Young's literal says that he was careful of him. A couple of quick stories I want to tell to uh, portray what it would be like to be a good Samaritan in our day and hour. Backstory of a friend of mine, wrestled in high school, probably 160, 170 division, a few years removed. He's about, you know, probably close to 200 pounds, whatever, probably, you know, out of shape, you might say, compared to his wrestling days. And he's on his way to church one morning. And he just feels the Lord leading him into this place. And he comes into the mall parking lot, you know, and he's got his duties at church, but he comes into the small parking lot. And he's like, and he actually stops his car and says, Lord, what do you want me to do here? What am I doing here? You know, because we have those moments. We're like, was this God or not? But he gave action to it. He was there. And about that time, he hears this car screaming through the parking lot and somebody chasing. Another car chasing. Corners the first car. And in the first car is... A mother and her daughter, which she's about 20 years old. And the second car is a guy that should be having a little bit of R&R, rest and relaxation. But instead, he's gone to the 3R, road and roid rage. Opens the door of this car. Now, I'm glad it was him instead of me that my friend was there. He's getting out of his car. He realizes the severity of it. The the mother and the daughter are screaming. This guy opens the door, punches her. One punch sends her to the hospital. Before he could get a second punch off, my friend runs over there, engages. He had to engage quickly. Next thing you know, gets him pinned down. Pinned down. There happens to be a security guard at the mall that within a few minutes comes around. They cuff him, and then the police come. But one punch. So it may cost you, and that's my first point. It will cost you whenever you want to help somebody, when you want to be a good Samaritan. God needs an action to breathe upon. It's not always something big. It may cost you a smile, a gift card, a little something. You are, not maybe, but you are the divine suddenly for someone else. We need to be ready to be engaged, to get engaged in what five minutes prior 
was not your business. Last year, I was at an airport, and uh, I only flew once last year. Uh, I, I don't like it, don't have a need to in my life to fly very often. Uh, but the last time I preached, I, I also started with an airport, plane store, airport story. So anyway, I thought it'd be appropriate, just kind of on a roll now, you know. So um, anyway, uh, second or third airport that I, I'm in on my way back, transition, you know, everybody's typical, you know, you're just kind of tired, you're ready for that plane to, you're ready for that, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, and I think there's about 180 of us, but I just, ah! these two, I couldn't even tell what it was at first. I was way on the other side of the, the group of us. And it's like, but right at the kind of the walkway and where the food court was and stuff, there, these, you could, I couldn't tell what it was, but as it turns out, there were these two little dogs just going at it, man. You'd think they were big dogs except for the pitch, but it's like they were just really going to town. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, man, <laughs> I'm, I, I sure hope they're not, you know, I don't know if we have assigned seating. I can't, I, it wasn't assigned seating, but I'm like, I sure hope they're not next to me, you know. And uh, so anyway, 15 minutes later, uh, a gentleman came in, and uh, he had a dog carrier, uh, carry a kennel. And it, to the backstory on, on what had happened was uh, these, two, these two dogs in this carrier, by the third airport, this lady... Um, I saw her after as we were um, departing or whenever we were uh, getting off the plane. She was exhausted. I'm like, uh, she did not look like she was in any kind of condition to be traveling with two dogs through three airports. I don't think I'm ready for that, okay? It's like, I can handle one airport. She was fine to travel. But anyway, so this gentleman sits next to me and he explained the story. And while we're talking, you know, uh, he's got the carrier at the feet and he's reaching down, petting Lola kind of through the carrier. Next thing you know, the stewardess says, get your dog. And he's like, yeah, she's in here. Oh, she's gone. Well, she escaped. You know, she was a few rows up. And, and so now he took the responsibility. So he had that responsibility. Basically, he, the story, he stepped in. And saw this situation, saw the lady that owned the dog, said, she's exhausted. She needs some help. Look, how much is a carrier? Bought the second carrier because these dogs were not going to be, you know, they might have been at home or an apartment together, but in that little carrier for several airports, no, another story. So he um, paid 35 bucks, volunteered to take Lola. And so, so that's a story. That, but whenever you offer to be a good Samaritan, it's going to cost you a little something. And I want to touch on prophetic evangelism tonight, and it ties in some of what pastors preached on three weeks ago. And I wouldn't have landed on this. Part of this message has been sitting there for a few weeks, a few months, uh, and I wouldn't teach, I wouldn't say this, preach this message if pastor had not said a few things. And if he needs to clean anything up, who else better to do it than pastor? You know, I feel like I'm on safe ground. It's like, and I'm, it's, it's solid, but you know what I'm saying. It's like, there's certain things you got to be careful. Uh, the second point is pr- pr- yeah, prophetic evangelism is a primary way to get involved. It is speaking a specific word, possibly a scripture, to an individual whenever God speaks to your heart. Prophetic evangelism is God releasing revelatory information in a way that opens up the hearts of the lost. It's the audio-visual download of heavenly intel that comes from the heart of the Father, releasing what you hear God say to reveal 
Jesus Christ. When we make ourselves available in the Good Samaritan arena, we also make ourselves available for prophetic evangelism. Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18 reads, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. God needs a mouthpiece to recognize his voice. God needs a mouthpiece to voice those thoughts. God needs a mouthpiece to, those, to, to voice those thoughts, the numbers of his thoughts towards his people, which are more than the sand. God is speaking and we were designed to hear. The issue is not in us hearing, but rather in learning to recognize his voice when he speaks. Moses had to turn to the side or else he wouldn't have heard what God had to say. Why do people need a word from God? Because they have repeatedly heard the voice of defeat, the voice of the enemy, the voice of darkness. But the church, the remnant is not as small as it is mighty. The church, the remnant, is not as small as it is mighty. You say, oh, that's bold. Yeah, I tell you, bold, talk to, go go to a movie on a Friday or Saturday night, just a random movie, and you you see how bold the enemy is. You talk to some of the administrators and educators here in the church and find out what's going on and see how bold the enemy is. God needs somebody with some prophetic evangelism to be that good Samaritan, that availability. Prophetic evangelism is a manifestation of God's love. Exposure creates hunger and thirst. A hunger brings forth the manifestation of the prophetic. It's an outpouring of God's love, an expression of his thoughts towards us. We must believe for the prophetic. Don't get me wrong. Harvest Bible Church is not going to be the who's who of the prophetic zoo. When you release a prophetic word, you are releasing the love of God, his thoughts for that person in the season they are in. It generally is more effective than quoting a random scripture from Leviticus. Let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 7. Now, to, to lay the, the foundation, the backstory on this, just the last couple chapters. So what we have here is <clears throat> Samaria has um, been uh, is, is besieged by Syria. They... They have formed a line around the, the, the city, and basically what, what they would do is they just surround the city with their warriors, and basically uh, you starve the city, uh, whether that takes anywhere from six months to three years, that was pretty much their MO, starve them out. So let's pick up in Second Kings chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elijah said, and this, there's this great famine going on within the city, and they know that it's not good. Elijah said, hear the word of the Lord. 
Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel at the excuse me, gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And then there were four lepers that, uh, I'll pick up verse three, but the, there were four lepers that had been, uh, because they were leprous, they were outside the city, but near the gate. So they were not all the way to the uh, line, the circle of the enemy. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. So they presumed that they had, a messenger had slipped out in the night and that uh, you know, reinforcements had come. For, and let's go to verse 16. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a sea of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled him in the gate and he died, just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. So it happened just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, two seahs of barley for a shekel and a sea of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time at the gate of Samaria. Then that officer had answered the man of God and said, Now look, if the Lord would, have make, would make windows in heaven, would such a thing be? And he had said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. The right-hand man of the king missed it, and it cost him his life. If we don't have an ear to hear or an eye to see, we will be that close and miss God. Faith-filled proclamations seed the cloud that releases the rains of harvest over our lives. Nothing happens in the kingdom until something is spoken. I want to share something that's kind of a God moment. God did something within the last um, few months. It's kind of unique or um, I don't know how to describe it. Just kind of tell. Uh, basically, I, I go to this restaurant, Jack's Urban Eats in, at Lomans Plaza. Fantastic place in Sacramento. Good, healthy food. They're spot on. They're dialed in. It's pretty clean. Price is reasonable. And so I had been going there a couple times a week because I, I don't like to cook. And so I just like grabbing salad, you know, and then save some of it for later, this, that, whatever. But that was kind of my routine. And, uh, but I felt the Lord speaking to me about this place. And I'm like, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to be that guy, you know, because once you get a certain age, 
you know, like Brian McFarland picked on me about a joke I told. He goes, that's an old guy joke. You really shouldn't be telling that, you know? I'm like, okay, okay. It's like, so you just, you know, I don't want to be that guy, you know? It's like, it's not creepy, just an old guy joke or whatever. I don't know. You know, it's like I go out on the bike trail and it's like some of the people, they'll just wave at everybody. I'm like, there's a line of 30 people walking and running. They're like, hi. I'm like, hi. Wonderful. So anyway, but the Lord was impressing upon me that there was something to be done there at this restaurant. And I was, I was going, probably averaging literally about three, four times a week. Went there this afternoon. So anyway, I, uh, uh, but the Lord took me back. He said, you know, and whenever God speaks to us, you know, I always love it when the preachers say, God said, da, 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 and you're like, man, God, they hear it so sharp and clear, you know, and you're like, Where, where's that in my life, you know, and I'm like, but it, 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 for me, I just have to say it's more of an impression, but I knew that the Lord was impressing upon me something about the situation, and so I said, uh, I said, yeah, Lord, what, what, what do you want to do here? And, uh, but he took me back. He says, yeah, remember what, you know, cause most of them are college age. And, uh, he says, remember, remember who had an influence on you? Why did you give your heart to the Lord when you were college age? And I'm like, well, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> Bruce and, uh, Ed, you know, and they had had an impact on me. And so I, uh, and he says, you be that to them. He says, you be nice. You get their names. So out of, you know, I don't know, 40, 40 people maybe, you know, I probably know about 20, 25 of them's name, and they rotate quite a bit, you know, and especially with school starting, you know, uh, and you leave, you leave a five, at, least, at least five bucks in that tip jar every time, you know, because it's one you go through the line, you don't have to leave a tip, but it's like, do that, be generous. You will, you know, don't always preach the gospel to them. But I began to pray over some of the names as I would get them, and I noticed an impact just, especially after COVID, just remembering somebody's name sometimes. You know, I do my best as an usher. If I don't know your name and you're here tonight, I'm sorry. I got most of you down. It's like there's still, there's still probably about 10 or 12 here that I don't know right now tonight. So, uh, but I've noticed just the difference that even that will have, you know. And so just trying to be friendly to them. And then I'm, I'm sitting there and I just met this one uh, you know, and finding out where they go to school sometimes, you know, if the opportunity arises, just talking a little bit, I go at a, at a time that's usually pretty slow. And, uh, but anyway, they, uh, she's bringing out my, my, uh, my salad and, uh, and, um, and she rounds the corner and, um, and the Lord said, uh, uh, I just got a freeze frame. There was no words to it yet. And I'm describing this because this is what I believe one of the things that God wants to do in the last days as he's pouring out his spirit. How is he going to pour out on his spirit? He's going to pour out his spirit through us. And so, so I got this freeze frame, you know, and I, I think just the day before I got this young person's name and I leave, you know, not thinking anything and I'm driving and within the next 20 minutes, I get two, two persons you know, there's revelations coming. I got two individuals' names in, in, in her household. You know, I had no idea she lives at the dorms or, you know, she's in an apartment. And then, and then I hear cancer later, you know, the next day when I'm praying. 
And so I'm like, wow, wow, what do I do with all this, you know? And, and so anyway, then, then like it's probably a full week and a half, you know, later before I got the opportunity to share it with her. And I said, uh, you know, she brought out my salad again. And I says, I says, hey, I just want to say that I, you know, because how do you do it? You know, it's like you're just sharing something random. And I says, uh, random to her, you know, and, but it's a God moment. And I says, you know, I just felt impressed of the Lord. I says um, that you're very concerned about, and it was, it was a jaw-dropping moment for her. It got her attention, and then I shared a couple things, but they were very busy that day. And it's like, and I got to share a little bit more, and I told her, hey, I'm going to be praying. You know, and she's doing well, this person in the home, you know, and we have a great relationship just talking. You know, she was appreciative. I asked her, I says, you know, I says, I know it was kind of, you're kind of busy, but I says, I hope you at least felt the love of God. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. You know, but it was a moment that really impacted her. And, you know, we have special seasons or moments that God wants to do something in us and through us. Third point, people are ready post-COVID. About four years ago, I was kind of frustrated. I was witnessing to people. Nobody would have it. You know, I was just like, this is annoying, man. We need a paradigm shift. And then COVID comes. You know, we got one. You know, we got it. We got it. That's what I didn't, wasn't praying for that. But, but that's what we got. So, I noticed, you know, whenever I go to Dutch Bros, that's one of my, another one of my go-tos. Um, so you ever wonder what the physique would be of somebody that eats healthy salads and Dutch Bros? There we go. This is it. This, such as it is, this is it. Glory to God. Uh, but at Dutch Bros, I, I go in from the prophetic evangelism because of the way the lines are always so fast and it's quicker. Um, I, I go Baptist, which is the numbers game. You know, and I'm not criticizing. I, I mean, Bruce was a Baptist. I'm glad that he witnessed to me, my employer at the time. You know, uh, but I, I asked the people, I says, after I tell them Jesus loves you, da da da, you know, and I says, I says, has anybody told you that today? Not once has somebody says, yeah, somebody told me that five cars back or right at the beginning of my shift. You know, nobody, nobody has said that. And so I've asked at least a handful of them, has anybody ever told you that while you're here? You know, which they're talking to how many hundreds of cars a day, you know what I mean? If they're out there for six hours taking, you know, under the little tent, you know, uh, taking orders. It's like how often, and nobody has said, yes, somebody told me until yesterday, yesterday. She says, she says, you know, twice. And then I, told, I was like, I was one of those. I know it. It's like a few weeks back. I said, you look familiar. I said, I think because, you know, I'm not quite, you know, going there like clockwork and getting to know the people. I know them a little better at Jack's, you know. But anyway, she, uh, she says, yeah, you know, a while back, she goes, somebody, uh, you know, for a carload of four people, they gave me a track, basically. You know, she worded it something else, but she says they gave me some material. And so... Um, but I'm telling you, people are hungry and thirsty right now. Most major revivals have two things in common. Come, they come out of great prayer, and secondly, they come to a society where the darkness prevails in the system. That is great news for Californians. Point number four, prayer and intimacy. Jeremiah 9 and verse 1, CSB, says, If my head were a flowing spring, my eyes a fountain 
of tears. I would weep day and night over the slain of my dear people. I cannot expect a top shelf anointing at the price of a toddler reach shelf price. Without desperation, we cling to the status quo. Prayer is so important because if we cannot hear his voice, we cannot share his words with others. And it is his words that bring his love and power to destroy the darkness. I must maintain my sensitivity and awareness of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. There's a reward in a communion to prayer, a commitment to prayer, regardless of feelings. Part of that reward is becoming an influencer and having favor with people. Never discount the favor of God in your life. If you have a gifting of one who hears things, you must be careful what you hear. If you have a gifting of one who sees things, you must be careful what you put in front of your eyes. For you are the womb of the kingdom. Jesus calls us the light as we are the glory of the Lord here on the earth. We might picture a battle between darkness and light. But the thing is, there is no battle between darkness and light, scientifically speaking. Darkness doesn't do anything. It's just the absence of light. Light has particles that move, that makes things visible. Darkness is stagnant and powerless. Light doesn't have to be stronger than darkness to light up the room. It just has to be there. It's the same thing in the spiritual realm. Our battle isn't with the darkness. It's over finding the light switch. We all too often complain about darkness when instead we need to learn how to get lit. Hearing and obeying are not only key, but required in order to move into new realms of God. Fifth point is stepping out. Stepping out and encouraging somebody. You might say, I have no experience in this to just offer a random word to somebody. Well, let's break that down. How would you get experience? Or any other area, how would you get experience? And once you've stepped out and shared with someone, the next time you do it, I guarantee you've got more experience than that person has as far as them being on the receiving end. So it's at that point that you then make that person feel comfortable because you're the pro. It's kind of like the first wedding that I did. The groom was very nervous, very nervous. And I'm, that I officiated and, and I'm trying to, you know, it's got like five minutes before we go out. And he's just like sweating, man. He's just like nervous. He goes, goes man, do you do a lot of these? He goes, just, you know, and I'm, I'm cool. I was, I was chill. And I go, and I thought, I'm only going to have the opportunity to say this once. And I go, no, this is my first one. <laughs> go on. <laughs> it's like, but once you share that first time with somebody, really stepping out, and you find out that you're on, it's like, just, you just do it. Success is seldom achieved by people who contemplate the possibility of failure. Success is seldom achieved by people who contemplate the possibility of failure. We like the idea of enlargement, but we hate the idea of being stretched. 
We need to declare, I have the wisdom of God to deliver that which God has imparted to me. I think it's easier for me to pray two or three hours and get something than it is to deliver it. The Lord is teaching me slowly but surely. And I know whenever you leave a situation like that, there's always going to be things that you could have said better. But, but they'll feel your love. God is looking to confirm your word with signs that follow and to bring conviction that draws people to Jesus. You hearing from God is a testimony of the truth. That random thought when you are prayed up just might be God. What if I miss it? Well, I've seen too many lives changed by a single, accurate, timely, loving word to stop now. The crucial characteristic that brings about your greatest success in helping others is having the heart of the Father. Acts 10.44 in the Passion Translation says, While Peter was speaking, I love this version, which is why I'm gone specific with it. The Holy Spirit cascaded over all those listening to his message. You have to trust that if you've prayed and you've got something for somebody, that the Holy Spirit is doing the work beforehand and that he's also going to do the work right then. Point number six, as we come to a close, we just got a couple more points, a couple more stories. Uh, Six, how does a revelation for someone else come? Most of us would describe the inward witness one of three ways. You just know. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not a natural suspicion, but I don't know how many times I'm like, how, how did I know that? You know, you're like, the, you're like, oh, yeah. It was whenever I was making a left on the Folsom Boulevard right there, and God just dropped it, you know, as that song, as the anointing was coming, I just spoke it. And then two, you hear it. Uh, Another person at Jack's just in the last few weeks, because um, there's been several. I, um, I'm in a church service, and I hear two words. The person's name, and I hear sleep. And I'm like, okay. Th- that one's easy enough. I don't need to do a great big interpretation for it. And then the Lord showed me a few things, uh, very, very specific, uh, about, about this person's situation. And then... Um, you know, it was about a week and a half later, I got the opportunity that person sat down at my table and, and uh, we talked for about probably 10 minutes. And, um, and after I shared the beginning, you know, I just jumped right into it. What else are you going to do? I, I mean, at the counter, there was like four other people there. So I was like, I said, hey, you know, I'd like to talk to you, you know. And uh, so anyway, whenever they brought my salad out, we got the opportunity to talk. And, um, you know, but I, I just shared, started with... I says, the Lord impressed upon me, you know, and you pick your own wording because you're going to be you, you know. But I, I said, that's the way I word it usually is, is whenever, you, you know, what do you, you don't know where they're coming from. You don't know whether they're saved. Sometimes you'll know certain things because of the word you have for them. But, but I, I just shared it with her. Uh, I says that, that you're not sleeping well, you know, and then three times within the next two minutes, she goes, I'm not sleeping well. You're right. It was almost like she was in such a daze that it was just like this revelation. It was like, but the Lord ministered in different ways. And then I had the opportunity to pray for her there. It was really awesome. You know, and then the third way. So one, you just know it. Two, you hear it. Three, you see it kind of in a mini vision, you know, kind of like a freeze frame or 
change in the camera angle that you see in certain movies. Um, it might, might not be real clear, but as you give action to the impression, it grows stronger. You get the witness that it's correct. Uh, practical steps to deliver is number 7.7. 7. Practical steps to deliver. I want to tell one story. And this story, what, what I want you to get out of this is, is how multiple things come together sometimes. And I have a home office, and, and we were having a meeting with um, my two employees, which is my nephew and one of my daughters. And, and I said, um, I says, I need to make an appointment for the windows. Uh, and right at that time, we heard the doorbell ring. Go down, open the door. And he, goes, he had a flyer, and it was for window, you know, and home repair, da-da-da. And I was like, and his name was Moses. And I was like, I like this guy already, you know. And, and so anyway, uh, then the salesman that comes out, um, you know, within the next week or so, I'm talking to him for almost an hour. And I don't know why I didn't see it for the first hour. It really blew me away whenever I realized what had happened. Uh, but he asked me one personal question, you know, and, and I think it was just, you know, how long have you lived here? You know, uh, before he went into his pitch, you know, after we looked at everything. And so I said, you know, well, yeah, I, you know, I always lived in the area. My mom grew up such, such. And he goes, oh, yeah, my grandparents uh, grew up in that area. And, um, and gives the name. And I looked at him. And I go, you're Spencer, son. He goes, yeah. I go into my closet. I grab a picture of... His dad and I, I'm one of his groomsmen at his wedding, grab another picture of his, his the whole wedding party, give him a hug, you know, which he, he was excited then because he's like, I got this deal wrapped up, man. I'm going to, you know, this is over $10,000 bid. I'm going to get it, you know. And so I was like, so it was just cool. He, his dad and I were best friends growing up. My, my mom and his grandma were very, very close. I mean, they went to church together, played the piano together, sang, and, you know, that, that was their thing. They were lifelong friends. And so he and I, his dad and I grew up, uh, our birthday's 20 days apart, da, da, da. Anyway, that made way for another thing, which was the, um, the owner. And without going into detail for sake of time, but there's a few things, if the first and the second hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. But I'm, I'm driving to church on a Wednesday night and I had met the owner. I'm driving, just praying for service, man. God, love people, love people, fall. God, let your anointing fall. Let your anointing be upon the worship team. I'm praying the typical prayer that one should be praying on the way to church. And I wanted to. So, uh, but anyway, and I, and, I, and I hear this phrase uh, about the uh, manager or owner. And, and it's, I, I hear this, this illustration about a car with four tires and, and they're blowing up, da-da-da. And I can't remember all the details about it. It was just earlier this year, but it was kind of unique. So anyway, I'm like, okay, well, we'll see. You know, you don't always have to like rush and just like, you know, it, it's not going to fall off the cliff. Now, if it's something on suicide, because I've, I've known a couple situations. Yes, I've seen people that suicidal, you know, depressed. You've got to jump on that when the Lord speaks to that person. You know, I've seen too many situations that people wish they would have spoken. But anyway... So anyway, he comes to the house, boom, I didn't get, and he hadn't come to the house very often. Um, you know, they had the, the service guys, you know, guys doing the work and stuff. And, uh, but anyway, I was like, uh, 
finally, I got the opportunity. He stopped by again to pick up a check towards the end. And I didn't know if I was going to, but I just keep trusting the Lord. Lord, I trust that you're going to make a way for this. And so I shared, and it turns out the timing was great. But I, I, I won't give the interpretation of it because it's very personal. But the, you'll get the principle. I shared that, and I said, you know, things are going great in your business. I says, but, and he teary-eyed. He shared some of the deepest things about uh, situation. And we're talking, it was midnight hour of, of, of a situation. And he was very sincere. We got to talk 15, 20 minutes maybe. And I prayed for him at the end. And he was close to 40 years of age. And he said, I, I didn't lead him to Christ, but it, uh, he said, uh, he says, that's the second time, only the second time in my life that somebody's prayed for me. We are in a dark culture. We are in a dark culture. We are no longer the Christian nation by statistics and many aspects or whatever. You know, uh, uh, I want to share one more testimony before I, um, of somebody that, that really uh, flows, a woman minister that I know. A tremendous testimony she has uh, before we wrap this up. She's an advisor to political, uh, you know, some of the, the, the top politicians in a given state. I won't say which it is. But anyway, she doesn't know who these people are. You know, she travels the world. And she talks about, and this is where I want you to grab, the principle I want you to grab out of this is you don't give, me, be careful to try not to give meaning to things. You got to go with the phrase and the impression that you have. You don't know exactly what it is. Sometimes you'll know, like sleep, I knew. You know, I said, da-da-da, you know, God's going to be giving you, you know, your, your corduroy pillow is going to be making headlines because I know you're not sleeping good right now, but you're going to in the future. But she's, she's there at this convention and they're bringing all these politicians through. You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, you, you, she's praying over these people, supposed to prophesy over them, whatever, you know, however you want to say it. She's praying for and changing the, the, um, that state. So a person comes forward and she just looks at her and she sees this graham cracker. And, you know, the graham crackers are usually in four squares, right? It's kind of like rectangular. And her first response is, Lord, why don't you give her a whole box if she likes graham crackers? How about a pallet? You know, something you know, from her childhood. And, and, and so she says, she said, then I told the, the lady, she says, I see you standing there, the graham cracker, breaking it into four pieces. And be, before she could even finish, the, the lady just started crying. And she says, I see you giving it to your three dogs, and then you taking the fourth piece. And then this lady that was high up in the government, she says, she says, you know, she says, you don't understand. She goes, she goes whenever I started this position, she goes, I didn't want to do it. She goes, I knew how hard it would be. She goes, it's hard. It's just dark culture. And she says, it's hard. She says, but I knew God wanted me to. And she says, it's so hard. I go home. I go home and I have my three dogs. And every night I go to the cat cupboard and I grab a graham cracker. 
And I sit down there on the edge of the couch and I break a piece and give one to each of my dogs and I eat one. She goes, now I know that my God loves me. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. If there's anybody here in the sound of my voice that in this building that has not accepted Christ before and you would like to do so, if God has touched your heart, please just raise your hand right now. Father, I pray that you would strengthen these. God, that you would strengthen those that are here tonight. God, let your glory fall on us. There's no way we can do it in our own strength. Pour out your spirit on us, Lord. Pour out your spirit. God, I pray that you would strengthen each and every person here tonight, Lord, to go forth, to go forth for the rest of this week, Lord. And Father God, I thank you that you will give them impressions because I believe that's your will. As we are prayed up and make ourselves available to be that good Samaritan to flow in the prophetic. Father God, I thank you that you will speak to us. You will speak to us. You will speak to us because... That's the heart of the father. I have three daughters and I have such a heart to see them do well. I want them to be strong. I want them. I want to encourage them. And as I quoted your scripture earlier, father, out of Psalm 139. Oh, how numerous are the sands of the sea and your thoughts towards us. praise you. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for the seal of the worship and your presence and your word that has gone forth in the mighty name of Jesus. We praise you. We thank you for it. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, it is time for our offering. And as you prepare that, I I want to... uh, kind of interesting you know sometimes you get things you're not sure what to do you know like the person with sleep I I knew that they weren't gonna like I knew there was no rush I know they're not gonna she wasn't gonna die from narcolepsy you know it's like I knew she was gonna make it and I got the opportunity to pray it's like um and God spoke to me about two couples that are not they're not in here tonight so uh um you know but one of the things I I do want to give the opportunity um, at the end of, of prayer, if you want prayer for healing, I would, I would be glad to pray for you. Uh, Mark 16 and 18 says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And let's, if you have your offering ready and our ushers are ready. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give, worship and give. Um, and we just ask that you would bless the hearts of the sowers. Hallelujah. And bless, bless the seed, Lord. Let it go forth and do what you intended it to do, and that is to produce for the gospel. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Come forth, ushers. And uh, Brandon, you know, we're about five minutes over. Is it okay if I have five minutes of yours from last week? That puts me right on time. <laughs> Glory to God. 
I knew I liked that guy. <sighs> Pastor, right on time. Glory to God. <laughs> Once again, thank you, Pastor. Uh, church family, I love you. And you are dismissed. And if you would like any prayer, come on up.